You're listening to the Benchwarmers Podcast Network, and this is Ride the Pine. Welcome to another episode of Ride the Pine, presented by the Benchwarmers Podcast Network. I'm your producer, Sean Sprout, and I am back. After two weeks, I am back. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. So, so kind. So kind. So kind. Kenny and Cameron couldn't join us today, but we do have our other co-hosts here with us. First up. The founding member of the Andy Dalton fan club called the Gingers for Dalton, Charlie Vosbrink. You're damn right. Anybody's better than Dak. Let's go. And he only wears his Crocs in sport mode. It's Adam Freeman. Sean, we are so glad that you're back. We were feeling a little shorthanded the past two weeks. Listen, I I listened to the last podcast. Did you just... The last two episodes. What was that, Charlie? <laughs> did he just make a short joke to you? I, oh, he I did. did. I, I'm, I'm going to no. go ahead and gloss <laughs> over it. Uh, <laughs> I listened to the last two episodes, and the blasphemy about my picks in our bet challenge is just that this will not stand. Uh, I believe I am tied for last place with someone else also on this podcast. I wonder who who that is. Yeah, that's right. I'm excited to be tied with you because it's just so that I can beat you the next two weeks. Just if, if I beat you, that might be just the worst thing that's ever happened to you, right? Is that like the bit, is that the low? Oh no, I've, I've had much worse. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't, don't know, we, uh, we are doing a uh, betting round on the NFL playoffs. And, uh, speaking of NFL playoffs, I think, uh, Chuck, you have an NFL update for us. I do. Let's talk about the games that just happened over the weekend. All right. So the first game was the Jaguars and the chiefs chiefs took the win in this one, 27 to 20. Uh, They're going to their fifth straight AFC championship game. Obviously, the big story in this one was Patrick Mahomes' injury. I think it was labeled as a high ankle sprain, I believe is what they said. They took some x-rays on him. They came back negative, so he came back out there in the second half and led him to the W. What would you guys see in this one? Adam, we'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, that was a great game. Um, I think that the Jaguars looked like they had a chance. Um, I thought there was the outside shot coming into the fourth quarter. Um, They did put up 10 points there. I thought there would be an opportunity for him to be able to do it. Um, Chiefs defense looks gettable, um, which kind of benefits who they're playing this week. Um, I'm a little bit concerned with the Jaguars. I mean, they do have a good offense, but um, you'd expect the Chiefs defense to be a little bit a little bit better. But losing Mahomes absolutely ruined that game for them. I mean, that really probably should have been a blowout and probably would have been a blowout had Mahomes not gotten hurt. Um, but it just leads into what is going to be interesting and how, how they fare this week, that's for sure. And I think it's... The, I think the big part of it was the second quarter. You can't go down to the Chiefs like that and expect to fight back with their high-powered offense. Um, you have to go in at least by by one score. Um, fortunately, that didn't happen, and they, they did. The Jaguars made a run near the end. It just, just wasn't enough. Yeah, they tried to come back there at the end, but uh, old Trevor Lawrence couldn't get it done. So let's move on to the second game. That was the Giants and the Eagles. Eagles taking that one 38-7. This was over quick. Uh, obviously, Philly dominated this one. Sean, I'll let you uh, let you take the lead on this one. This was an absolute ass whooping. I loved every minute of this game. Uh, fly Eagles, fly! If I have not said that before, uh, pretty sure uh, Jalen Hurts has taken this team to the promised land. Uh, the Giants had no chance in this game whatsoever. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they thought they were playing uh, baseball in San Francisco and not football in uh, New Jersey. Uh, obviously, Eagles all the way. All the way. I mean, it it was ugly. Like, th- that game was – I turned it off at middle of the second quarter. It was it was dumb. You made it that um, – Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it the old college try um, and see what happens. Before that point. Yeah, but Boston Scott, he finally runs in. At that point, they only had, I forget how much time, I think it was like halfway through. Um, at that point, made it 21 nothing. There was no chance. And the Giants just looked horrible. Um, Barkley, I think, only had like 60-something yards rushing. Um, Daniel Jones was like 50% completion. It, it was bad. The Giants looked like the average team that they probably are. 
um, and that the record shows at nine and seven and one. Um, they got there. That's congratulations to them. But the Eagles are just absolutely dominating pretty much every game. I have no idea exactly how many games they've won by double digits, but I'm pretty sure it's all 14, at least in the regular season. Um, it, it just hasn't been fair, and they, they kept it up in the playoffs. So good job, and let's move on. A big thing for the Eagles is they've been able to, to stop the run, and whenever they go out on such a lead like that, um, they, they, they force Daniel Jones to be one-dimensional, and Daniel Jones, I'm sorry, is just not going to beat you. And uh, Barkley, you said he did have about 60 yards. A lot of that was on one play in the fourth quarter, so he was pretty yeah. much shut down to that point. Yeah, he had, like, what was it, like a 39-yard rush? Or is that what it was? Right, yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. And a, a fun stat that I looked the other day, at least fun for me, is that the Eagles lead the league in turnovers uh, since week 12. So they're hitting their stride. Yeah, they look real good right now, and it pains me to say that, but they do. All right, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, going from one Sean High to another, uh, the Cowboys losing to the Niners 19-12. to Once again, Dak turning the ball over leads to a uh, Cowboys loss, the run game not for the Cowboys that San Francisco defense is elite Sean I'll go to you again I know uh you probably had to go to the doctor because that thing had to have been up for more than four hours after the Eagles won and then the Cowboys lost what do you think classic I couldn't walk around just because of the pure embarrassment for at least four to five hours uh this one I was kind of bittersweet because obviously I, even though I live in Dallas I'm not a Cowboys fan I I fully wanted them to lose but I I I believe that I picked them to move on yeah and it, it was a little bit of a reverse curse i'll admit that but also i think i i think i uh i think i kind of bit into the hype i drank the kool-aid a little bit living here because everybody was just talking about how you know they're gonna do it they're finally gonna break it uh and i think it got to me and i'm happy that it did not come to fruition well just like every year it, it was the cowboys year this year and it'll be next year, year I'm sure. and, it, and it will be next year. You're right. You're <laughs> right. You know me too well. That game, like, it sucks that that is the game that is the uh, the most hype. The game they're going to put is the last game of the weekend. And, hey, let's, let's, let's celebrate Niners and Cowboys and go from there. Yeah, it's all great. And then you have how many field goals? It's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six field goals in a game. Um, and we all know that Dallas can't kick field goals. So, I mean, we know they didn't get any. Extra. Um, <laughs> it was, well, that's true. He, he did hit a 25-yarder, which is the same distance as an extra We're point. Making he missed his first. <laughs> he missed his first extra point, He missed point, the though. first one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it was a bad game. So, the, the thing that I want to say is we know that the Cowboys played bad and, and the Niners played bad. But is it a bigger story with how bad – the Cowboys looked or how average the Niners looked with Brock Purdy. I mean, I, I don't think it was necessarily that the Niners looked average. I mean, it, it was, it was two elite defenses. I mean, you're talking about pro- most likely the number one and number two defense in the league. So the fact that it was a low scoring game, isn't, uh, isn't a shock at all. I mean, but still, I think with the, the amount of firepower that, that San Francisco has, and I believe we said it last week on the podcast that, you know, that that offense is you put anybody in that offense and they're going to succeed any quarterback in that offense and they're going to succeed with Debo uh, with with McCaffrey. You have George Kittle. I mean, that offense is destined to be good with anybody that you put in there. And Brock Purdy's been, for the most part, great, like hasn't had any issues. And he looked average. I mean, he was 19 of 29. I'm looking it up right now. 19 of 29, 214 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So that's fine. He did just enough to get the job done, which most of the time is fine. But even then, I mean, Elijah Mitchell led them with 51 yards rushing and George Kittle led them with 95 yards receiving. So, I mean, it's not like that that offense was was actually shut down by Dallas. I mean, they just did still put up the, the, the yardage and move the ball. But, I mean, you would hope that Brock Purdy would at least be able to get a touchdown. But I don't know. It was just interesting. But that's the thing, though, is that even though he wasn't able to get in the end zone or, or make anything happen in that way, he still got the W, and that's and that counts for something. I mean, obviously, as a fan of the Cowboys, I wanted them to win, but I, I do have to give props to the Niners, man. I you know, they they look good too. It's gonna it's gonna be a really good NFC Championship game. I know that. Well, the difference was just mistakes, right? 
it's just a couple of plays that it came down to just mistakes on the Cowboys part and unfortunately on Dak and hate to see it because I actually do really like Dak as a quarterback um but they're the Cowboys are too loaded to go out like that they really are um and I guess you could really say the same thing for San Francisco but you should expect the Cowboys to win that game regardless right oh for sure but you look at <laughs> my biggest issue becomes is that if I'm Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy is fired after that last play. That is what you're going to draw up in the grand scheme of what you want to do. You're going to put Zeke Elliott under center who gets absolutely murdered. Makes total sense. And then you're going to throw a six yard, a six yard hook on the middle of the field and not even have a blocker there ready for him. I mean, it, it was it was almost a microcosm of what the Cowboys are, is that they get into the situation of being able to have a chance, and then they go out and they blow it. And unfortunately, Charlie, that is the truth. That is what the Cowboys have done since since the 90s. Um, I was excited. I didn't see it live, but I was excited to hear that that was kind of the play they ran because I've always been the proponent of stop throwing the ball deep, throw the ball underneath with like a, a screenplay, and you have a much better shot of running – a screenplay with you know eight guys blocking one than you do uh, throwing the ball up and hoping that somebody catches it or throwing it backwards 800 times. But, I mean, come on. That's the play that you come up with when you're – and I know they're a long distance away, but that, that was absolutely a horrible call. You know, I, I was really hoping you guys wouldn't bring that play up, but <laughs> but of course we had to. Uh, is, is Indianapolis off the hook now for the worst play in NFL history? For Because wasn't it them that basically – Ooh. similar thing against the Patriots or something. And I, I think this may be worse than that. Uh, this is it's definitely, cl- this is by far the worst. And Ooh, It's close for me. It's not as bad. It's not as bad as the indie play for me. Ezekiel Elliott got blown the fuck up on the line after he hiked that ball. And I, it was so funny. But goddamn, that was funny. But here's, here's the worst part of that. And maybe this is even more so why he should get fired because they line up in that they have Zeke under center or whatever the hell that was. And then San Francisco calls a timeout. You could have changed it. You could have ran with anything else. But instead, you came right right back out to run this stupid play. San Francisco's probably like, okay, um, probably tackle, you know, the guy who's playing center who shouldn't be playing center. Let's start there. It's just just dumb. Yeah, I mean, you're a defensive coordinator. You're like, hold on, hold on. Call a timeout. This doesn't look right. Let's let's figure out what they're doing, and then they come right back out, and they're in the exact same formation. You have to go. What the f is going on here? What are they smoking on that sideline? We got to figure this out. And you're 100 percent right. You blow up Zeke, and then you make the tackle, and it's over. Like there's nothing to it. Um, the I think the offensive linemen were even confused on out there with what they're gonna do, and like you had multiple chances at this, and still this is what you planned for. Like again if you're Jerry Jones, you have to be thinking in your head, this is my coach. This is what is okay. I've been, I sing the praises of Kellen Moore. I think eventually he's going to be a fantastic head coach at the college level. Uh, But I think you, you can't let Mike McCarthy sit. I'm waiting for the, the headline to pop up on ESPN of Mike McCarthy out and Sean Payton is in. That is what I'm, I'm waiting. If he has not, He's not gone anywhere yet. I have a feeling that that is what is coming. All right. You guys have beat me up enough on this one. Let's move, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Bengals and Bills in the last game on the rundown. Uh, Bengals shutting down the Bills, getting the win 27-10. to 10. Uh, They went out to an early 14-0 lead and never looked back. Adam, let's go to you first on this one. What would you see in this game? What did you think about Burrow? I thought it was an awesome game. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was an NFL game. It was in the snow. You know, the story, the NFL storyline writers nailed this version of it. Chapter whatever we're in is absolutely fantastic. Um, The snow effects were great. Um, Even having possibly DeMar Hamlin in the booth, we're not really sure what happened there. Um, It it was a great game all around. Uh, I like the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. That's why I have them on my fantasy team. Doesn't really work out very well for me sometimes, but it works. I mean, they they really put it to that Buffalo defense. It's supposed to be a good Playoffs, defense. You can't. Well, yeah. uh, it, it's <laughs> they the defense was supposed to be good for Buffalo, and the offensive line was supposed to be brutal for Cincinnati, and it almost looked like total opposite. Cincinnati was able to run. 
Um, Joe Mixon ended up with under over 100 yards rushing, which was awesome. And I mean, really, I I don't think there is much defense for Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Hayden Hurst, and the two-headed running backs that they have. And then even you throw in um, uh, Boyd when he's healthy and he's ready to go. I mean, that offense is good. It it kind of reminds me of a version of of the Rams how they used to be. Um, not like 99, 2000, but a little bit after that, maybe like 2001, 2002, um, kind of like post greatest show on turf. Uh, but it was, it was a great game to see. That's for sure. Yeah. There's something about turning on your TV on it for, a um, turn on the pregame for, a a postseason game, excuse me, and seeing just, you know, a blanket of snow. There's something about it that is just incredible. Just high. It just makes it even better. Uh, and these two teams playing it, you have the storyline, Demar Hamlin. I thought the Bills were gonna put up a, a much better fight than what they did. Uh, this was Bengals through and through. Uh, my my question is is like where do the Bills even go from here? Because you saw Diggs, you know, throwing a tender tantrum on the sideline, and there's a, all talks about how the locker room is now distraught and they're upset with each other. And where do where do they even go from here? I mean, they had probably one of the the roughest endings to a season that a franchise could ever have. Yeah. I mean, you have a guy that has an event like that on the field two weeks outside of, of the playoffs, and you don't know what's going to go on with him. You don't know what's going to go on with your season and how that's going to transpire. You don't even know if you're going to get to play in Kansas City or Atlanta if you win. Like, you're still trying to figure that out. Um Thank God we didn't go to Atlanta. That would have been a whole other mess for the NFL to handle. And then they didn't really perform well in either of the postseason games. I mean, Miami kept up with them for a little bit. I think it's just the end of end of a lot of stress and an end of a lot of a lot of issues that they had. I think it happens. I don't think they change much. That team is still pretty decent. They may still need to do a little bit more on the defensive side. Um, but if anything, I'm trying to, for them, I'm finding some sort of running game. I don't think Singletary is the, the answer, and I don't think that Cook is either. Yeah, I think them finding a running back in the offseason, whether it be in the draft or maybe signing somebody in free agency, I think that could be a big step for them. Um, I, obviously not that that's the, you know, the biggest issue on their on their roster or anything, but but Adam brings up a good point, you know, ha- having that uh, that run game there to help uh, even things out with uh, with the defense and keep them honest and all that. So I, I, th- I think that could go a long way. All right, anybody else? Anybody got anything else? Or do we want to move on to the gambling side of things for next week? Let's go on to the horrific game that we have for picks. Let's do it. All right, so I do not have the current standings in front of me. Do, do you guys have that available? Uh, no, I know that I have five. Sean has five. I think you have seven. I think Cameron and Kenny have ten. Is that right? They're somewhere oh, right 10, around 11. There, yeah. All right, yeah. so the first game that we're going to do, let's do the uh, NFC Championship game. we got the 49ers and the Eagles. Spread on this one is 2.5. Philly is the favorite. Uh, over-under set at 46.5, so we are going to do over and over-unders this week as well. Um, so, yeah, San Francisco plus 2.5, Philly minus 2.5. Sean, I'll go to you first since you're the Eagles fan. What do you got? Eagles. And, and on top of that, lock that in while you're at it too. Oh, boy. Er- uh, early lock. Yep, early lock. And I'll also take uh, the under in that as well. All right, Adam, what are you thinking? Uh, I think this game's going to be a blowout, too. I think the Eagles are going to run away with this game. Um, it's an easy cover for them. It's only two and a half. I don't think it'll be a big deal. Um, I think their team just overall is way more dangerous than what the the Niners appear to be right now with Purdy. He may be able to snap back into it, but I think he's – I think we're looking back at him being just a, a normal quarterback. Um, so I'm going to go Eagles, but I'm going to take the over. I think, you know, the over or over under is 46, I believe is what it was. 46. Um, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that that's going to get beaten. It's probably going to end somewhere in the, I'm going to say 17 to 31 or 31, 17, somewhere right around there um, would be a pretty good close, but I'm going to Eagles and over on this one. I could not disagree with you more. If you think that somebody's putting up 31 points on that San Francisco defense, you're out of your mind. Uh, I think the defense carries them to a win. I got San Francisco plus two and a half, and I'm also taking the under in this one. I think it's going to be a, a somewhat low-scoring game. I think that the uh, the two elite defenses there are going to keep it keep it low-scoring. And moving to Kenny and Cameron, uh, Kenny's pick, he's got the Eagles minus two and a half. He's also taking the under. And Cameron is going the complete opposite. He is uh, 
He's taking San Francisco plus two and a half and taking the over on that one for everybody keeping score at home. We're going to get some good, uh, good movement in our standings just by that yep. one. Match. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got some, we got some differences here. Uh, so let's move on to the next game, the AFC championship game, Kansas city there for the fifth time in a row. They are the one and a half point favorites over Cincinnati and over under set at 48 on this one. Adam, we'll go to you first thoughts again. I like Bengals. I like I like Burrow. I like Chase. Um, I think I forgot what this game started as. I think it was. Uh, I think it started as Chiefs three or three Chiefs minus three, and then it went to Bengals minus two and a half at one point. Um, now it's it, it's the other way again. The Chiefs are back to minus one and a half. Um, I'm going Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to have a really good game against the Chiefs. Um, also, I don't trust Mahomes right now, and I don't trust Travis Kelsey. Uh, that size of a tight end who is now questionable with a back injury. Uh, apparently, he heard it in practice today. Because he's been fucking team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's had a lot of weight on his shoulders, and it's it's been working. But, I mean, Pat Mahomes' ability to scramble with a high ankle sprain is going to be very, very tested. He's going to be very, very drugged up to prevent that. Um, but I don't think it gets done. I think the Bengals get it, and I'm going to go the under. The under was at four, or the over under at 48. I don't think this game touches 40. I think it, if it does, it's going to be 40 points right on the nose. I think it's going to be under, and I think the Bengals are going to win. And the lock on the under on that one. Lock on the under. All right. Uh, I am going to take uh, Cincinnati plus one and a half in this game. They have won three in a row against the Chiefs dating back to last season. Uh, I think they make it four in a row with this one. Uh, And as far as the over-under, I think the last three games have had totals of 65, 51, and 51. So I'm going to take the over on this one. Uh, I I think that the Mahomes injury is just going to be a little bit too much for them to overcome. Um, Taking Cincy, and that's going to be my lock as well, a Cincy plus one and a half. Sean? All right. Um, Just like both of you guys said, I do think it comes down to the health of Mahomes. uh, And, of course, uh, Travis Kelsey, I will say, before I – or. I made these picks before I found out that uh, Travis Kelsey was hurt, and I think I was uh, bamboozled by that by the other two members of this podcast. Uh, but I am going to go ahead and pick the Chiefs. <laughs> I, am, I am picking the Chiefs, and I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game despite all that, and I'm going with the over. All right, and then for Kenny and Cameron's picks, uh, Kenny went with the Chiefs minus one and a half following his heart there on that one, following that Chiefs fandom. He's also taken the over, and that is his lock of the week, being the over. Cameron going with Cincinnati plus one and a half. He's also locking that one in, and he as well is taking the over. He thinks it's going to be a high-scoring game. So those are the picks for the week. Did you guys hear the uh, Cincinnati mayor, what he said today? No. Well, he wants – he wants Joe Burrow to take a paternity test to see if he is Patrick Mahomes' daddy. Ooh. Boy. Ooh. I don't know about you, <laughs> but my ankle just healed up just hearing that. Let's go. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was what I said, too. I'm like, crap, I already wrote my shit down. I'm like, I don't want that. And then, of course, Brittany had to chime in on that one, so that, that led to a whole other ordeal. But um, that game's going to be fun. I think that game's going to be the best game of the two this weekend, that's for sure. If that quote isn't just plastered all over the locker room by this time tomorrow, I mean, come on. Uh, if that's the case, Chiefs by 40. Well, and then they started calling it Burrowhead like halfway through uh, the fourth quarter last week. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys, you're really killing my buzz here. It's it's not going to go well. It's <laughs> And I picked them, so we all know that that's just automatically means they're going to lose. That's a kiss of death. Yeah, pretty much. And with with these picks, I was just kind of doing just some some quick math on here. Uh, we could see some first to last and vice versa potentially. There's a lot of movement that could potentially happen, or at least close to it, with the locks. I told you guys, I got you right where I want you. Hey everybody, we're going to take a quick break. I just wanted to jump in here and plug our socials real quick. You can follow Ride the Pine podcast on socials at Pod Riding Pine. You can also follow our sister podcast, the soccer-based podcast called Put Me In Coach. That one is at Put Me In Coach Pod. And you can also follow our network that everything is brought to you by. That's the Benchwarmer Network, and that's at BenchwarmerNet on Twitter. Give us a follow. We appreciate the listens. And uh, now let's get back to the show. 
I believe the next topic would have been the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame elections. Uh, Adam, uh, what you got for us there? All right. Let's roll into it. See what I did Uh-oh. there? You guys get that hey. one? Ah. <laughs> hey, yep. Uh, so it came out earlier this week. Uh... <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. Little... There it is. There you go. Okay. We got it. We're still learning on the the sound sound effects. We'll get it. You know, you know, they're labeled drum joke and drum roll right next to each other. That's not my fault. Well, that's just stupid. That's just poor. Why planning. would you do such a thing? Yeah, that's horrible. Um, so yeah, so Scott Rowland was voted in to the MLB Hall of Fame. Um, he was the only one elected into the MLB Hall of Fame. Um, not really shocked by that one, uh, but I do think that probably a couple other guys do deserve it. Um. I think one of those guys being uh, being Todd Helton, but Scott Rowland, one of the best third third basemen probably to ever play the game, at least as of right now. Um, I would debate that there's another St. Louis Cardinal that is currently fighting for that role as well. Um, but he was voted in. He, you know, a lot of the guys think that he he is well deserved. It shouldn't I think have been a sixty or something like that. Um, what do you guys think as far as Rowland finally getting in? I think it's well deserved. I mean. Uh... As you said, he's one of the greatest third basemen to ever play the game. Um, obviously, we were all lucky enough uh, growing up in St. Louis to, to be able to see him play for, for several years here. Um, he had eight career gold gloves. I believe that's number four all time. Uh, he was seven-time All-Star, 97 Rookie of the Year. I mean, just a hell of a career. Um, like I said, very very much deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was overdue oh, in my opinion. No, you know, you're fine. I was going to say overdue, in my opinion, one of the best uh, defensive third basemen to ever play the game, just like Chuck said. And growing up in St. Louis, we saw him day in, day out. So we were a little uh, spoiled in that regard. But um, I've hard to uh, dismiss what he did in the 2004 uh, playoffs. Uh, just brought the team to the World Series, put the team on his back and happy, happy to see him finally get in. Yeah, and it's crazy that when when he started out first year on the ballot, he was only 10% of the ballots. Like, usually guys that are that low don't end up getting voted in. Even in 10 years, don't end up getting voted in. And he still did. I still think the MLB voting process is an absolute sham. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he ranks fifth in war among, among career, career third basemen. Um, I, I think even though his numbers don't show – what he did because everybody's going to go to, Oh, I think he only hit like 300 something home runs and um, you know, a career batting average of like 200 something. Like he wasn't the greatest statistical player, but my God, nobody's ever played third base. Like he has like Mm -hmm. his, his ability to catch the ball pretty much anywhere within 10 feet of him was incredible. Um, He had a great arm. You know, I I think he, he deserved it a long time ago, probably just a, um, an issue with where he fell on the ballot. And I think that happens to a lot of guys, but I'm glad to see him get in. And I'm glad to see that he's the only one getting in. It kind of makes it uh, a little bit more special for us in St. Louis. Um, so with that, the guys that didn't get in a couple of the big names that didn't get in Todd Helton. Um, he was short. He only had 72% of the 75% needed votes. Uh, Billy Wagner was 68. Those seem to be the next two that are probably going to be close to getting in. Um, other notables, Carlos Beltran was at 46, A-Rod was 35, Manny Ramirez 33, uh, local favorite St. Louis and Mark Burley, 10.8%. Uh, I think that's up from last year. Uh, but I mean, do you guys, do you guys see anybody that should have actually been voted in, in that list yes, or, it, absolutely. or did they get it right? Uh, no, who they definitely did not get it right. Let me ask you this real quick. Oh, who, yeah. who has the most home runs, uh, for second base in in Major League Baseball history, do you know off the top of your head? Isn't it? Isn't it Jeff Kent? It's Jeff Kent. Is it Jeff? Didn't get in. Yeah. Hey, good good, good guess, Charlie. <laughs> nice. Well done. Proud of you, bud. Kenny, did you but, say Jeff Kent? So me and Adam each get one point. All right, let me mark that. <laughs> <laughs> Add that to my my pick total. <laughs> How final year on the ballot? He only gets forty six point five percent of the vote. How do you not vote in the guy who has hit the most home runs at his position in the history of the game? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's History of the game. It's an absolute shame that Jeff Kent's not in the Hall of Fame. I'll be honest with you. Up until the other day, I didn't realize that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame already. Um, I, I, I thought that – I feel like he's one of the best, if not the best, second baseman to ever play, not even just uh, offensively being the home run leader. But 
uh, yeah, it's it's a damn shame that he's he's not in the Hall of Fame. Do you think he got overshadowed because of Bonds? Like, do you think? Like, I I've read this long uh, thing today about how they interviewed Kent and he was talking about you know you're they're not voting for the best players of their time; they're voting for the best players ever, which I, I kind of agree with and I kind of don't. Um, but do you think him playing alongside Barry Bonds in that era hurt him? Like, I, I can't help but wonder how many of those people that didn't vote, that, you know, either left it blank or, you know, they only did eight of their ten votes, whatever, that also didn't vote for Jeff Kent. If he would have had a vote from all those guys, I bet you he's in the Hall of Fame right now. Yeah. The the only thing mm-hmm. I can think of is that uh, they uh, writers did not vote for him because he was afforded the protection of batting. Uh, next to Bonds. That's the only thing I'd potentially think of. Uh, Well, and he was a complete asshole. That too. That was part of it. Yeah, but I mean, if we go down the list, probably vast majority of them are. But anyway, uh, I I can't think of any other reason as to why. I guess maybe defensively he may have lacked some of the range um, that second basemen tend to have, but it's not... It's second base, and the guy hit just a... a, Like I said, and just a, a ridiculous amount of home runs. I just don't see any logical explanation as to why. Yeah, and one more person I want to bring up off that list that you mentioned was was Wagner. I, I think that that's another one that should be getting in. Um, I think he's number six all time on the saves list. Uh, I believe he's number two for left-handed closers, um, and I think he's like right behind number one as well. I think he's about two behind the the number one left-handed pitcher for for saves all time. Um, so, so that's one that I, I think should be getting in as well. Yeah, yeah I think he will me. next year. Yeah. Yeah, and I was gonna say that leads me into next year. I, I, I do think that him and Helton make it next year. I think we start getting into that weird transition phase of what the Hall of Fame becomes. That, and I know that this is gonna sound really bad, and I, I know I can already hear the comments coming from somebody that we all know uh, that it is not the Hall of Very Good; it is the Hall of Fame. And I think that Todd Helton and Billy Wagner start kind of introducing that in, like they're talking about Joey Votto. Is Joey Votto a Hall of Famer? And he's not. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's the Hall of Very Good. And if that's what we're going to start getting into, if you truly go by the numbers and what guys are doing, you're going to have guys getting into the Hall of Fame that hit 250, that hit 230, but they also hit 500 home runs or whatever it might be. And that's where it gets questionable. Todd Helton definitely deserves it. Um, Probably one of the better just all-around athletes to ever play baseball. Um, And I definitely think Billy Wagner's in. But next year gets a little bit tougher because you have Adrian Beltre, which Adrian Beltre is not a first ballot Hall of Famer by any means, but he's a Hall of Famer. I I will stand by that one. Uh, Chase Utley comes in. Joe Maurer comes in. David Wright, um, local hero Matt Holliday. He's not going to ever get into into the Hall of Fame. I will stand by that. He should be, but I think that for sure is one of those Hall of Very Good players. Um, And then everybody's favorite, Bartolo Colon, is next year. Um, So it gets a little bit tough. If Bartolo Colon does, (laughs) <laughs> doesn't get voted into the hall of fame i will burn down the hall of fame i will not stand for it big sexy deserves to be in there he needs his own wing of the hall of fame he probably would take up his own wing his his uh his portrait would take up an entire wing of the hall that's of what fame. i was gonna say is he's there done, enough material for his bust to even be into the no. hall of fame <laughs> no and and yeah it's gonna be tough for for those guys coming in like i said none of those what five six names that i listed off are probably none of them are first ballot let's put it that way and really then like i don't think chase utley is a hall of famer i really don't joe mauer probably on the the borderline for me um david wright i don't think he is i think his career got cut short and that's part of why he won't be um and sorry charlie i don't think bartolo colon's a hall of famer Um, yeah we can dream yeah uh the interesting one to me though a rod does A-Rod get in? It, it shocks me that he's at 35% of the votes. Does he ever get in? I think he deserves to. I mean, I, I'm one of those people that I, I'm, I'm at the point where I think we should let the people that, that are quote-unquote steroid users or, or the people from the steroid era should be allowed in. If you want to put an asterisk on it, put an asterisk on it, whatever, but they still deserve to be in the hall. I think A-Rod deserves to be in there. I mean, for God's sakes, he, he had, what, how many home runs? 696 or something? Isn't that what he had? I mean. Yeah, something put him like in the fucking Hall of Fame. Even if you're on steroids, you still got to have the hand-eye coordination to hit it. The same thing with Barry Bonds. It's you know, yeah. strength isn't everything when it comes to hitting a home run. So MLB Network was talking about this the other day, and I can't remember uh, which 
writer mentioned it, but he was saying that a lot of voters will not vote for those who were suspended for, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, you know, performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, they will vote for those who were suspected, but if you were actually officially suspended from the league in that capacity, then they're not going to vote for him. Uh, I don't think that changes. I, I, I don't see him getting in, even though I do think that he should be in. Yeah, I mean, you have two names just in this uh, this list this year that are, you know, not necessarily close. They're still a ways off. Would A-Rod getting 35 and Manny getting 33? I mean, that's two guys that had big-time numbers that any other time are Hall of Famers, um, but they both got suspended for it. And how does that punish them? And, and I'm with Charlie. I mean, I forget who had the quote. I want to say that it was um, that it was Ted Williams, but – in baseball, you're trying to hit a round ball with a round bat, and you're trying to square up those that contact. It is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. I've played all of the sports, and by far, hitting is the hardest thing to ever like truly master. Um, to be able to put up that kind of numbers, I don't care. I really don't. And and Barry Bonds is a complete like total horrible argument for oh well he took steroids. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he took steroids. He could have stopped. Before, what, 2000, I guess, would have been when it was. And he would have been a Hall of Famer. Literally could have retired and he would have been a Hall of Famer. But we're going to keep him out because of what he did afterwards. Put the asterisk on there. I don't care. Um, He should be a Hall of Famer at that point. And one other thing I want to say about the the steroid, you know, quote-unquote steroid users, is even if you want to make the argument that these guys were on steroids and they don't deserve to go in the Hall because of it, they were still playing against a bunch of other guys that were right. on steroids. So at the end of the day, they're it all evens out. You know, it's it's all fair. I mean, fuck it. Who cares? Let everybody get roided up and see who's the best. Fuck it. Yeah, it's it's part of the era, but really the big takeaway from all of this is that I just learned that Adam played all of the sports and I didn't realize that you played curling I've... and water polo and all the others. I can't yeah. think off the top of my head. But well, that's, okay, that's I played amazing. the major sports, but not Olympic sports. And I did do curling once and it sucked. Adam's a big cricket guy. I haven't played cricket. Cricket would be pretty fun, although I have no idea how they keep score. So that would be the part that would kind of frustrate me. And we all know how well I do with Matt. Oh, boy. Um, Anyways, speaking of numbers, let's go into this. One interesting thing that I found, um, I took it off of ESPN as I was reading through the article on Roland, which kind of goes to my point of the MLB Hall of Fame being a complete joke. Um, So this year, 136 ballots were cast uh, by the Baseball Writers of America um, for the Hall of Fame. Uh, The average ballot contained 5.86 names you get 10 to vote like every mlb right or mlb writers association uh gets 10 votes the average is 5.86 which is down from 7.11 last year Um, and 13 percent of the voters almost 14 percent of the voters voted uh for all 10 of the guys so you had 14 percent i'm not going to figure out how many of the 136 that was uh they actually used all 10 and then the everybody else is using probably at that point, you know, somewhere in the range of three to four, which is crazy just to get that average. Um, but the the percentage of guys using all ten last year was thirty three point eight. This year is fourteen point nine. If you have your votes, use your votes. Yeah, why is that? Is it just high standards by the writers? <laughs> this is probably going to end up on a clip on Twitter, just so everybody knows this. Uh, that's because the baseball writers are absolute idiots. And they want to hold everybody to this high standard that they have to have. And they think that they're the almighty God when it comes to writing in or to electing guys into the Hall of Fame. And it's complete bullshit. Get people that understand a little bit more that, hey, the Hall of Fame is to represent the history of the game. Not exactly what you think it should be. Um, Brian Kenny put it perfectly when I was watching MLB Network this afternoon. That if he's talking about guys in their hit their career and in like just current history, you don't just take a year or a period of time. You take an entire thing. They were talking about Nolan Arenado, and is he the best third baseman? And he was like, hey, you take him for the last three years. Where has he been? They were talking about Manny Ramirez and what Manny Ramirez did as a Hall of Famer. And I forget who they interviewed. I think it might have been Keith Law that said that Manny Ramirez isn't a Hall of Famer. And Manny Ramirez is a Hall of Famer. You look at the career numbers he is. I'm sorry that Manny was being Manny and that he decided to take steroids or whatever he took. It didn't help him that much. It, you got to get over it and they got to get off their high horse. And that 
to me that is absolutely ridiculous because and i don't know how many exact ballots there are um i think it's around 140 or so um it it's insane to me that guys would just waste their vote. You're given that privilege and you absolutely waste it. That, to me, that's unacceptable. My biggest issue is that they they have this long they have this long list of names and they're only going to pick three or four and like you just said, sometimes five to seven. Um, but then they have the whole oh well, this guy it's it's you know just for an example, say it's Omar Vizcayel. It's, it's his first year on the ballot, so obviously we can't vote for him because it's his first year. He hasn't earned it. He's got to spend you know three years on the ballot before we consider him. No, you judge the list that is in front of you and you pick the names that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Why does it matter how long you've been waiting to be voted in the Hall of Fame? I've never understood that. You judge the names that are in front of you and you 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 pick the best ten. Yeah, that always has made me mad. It was it uh, Ken Griffey that or Ken Griffey Jr. that was ninety nine point eight percent or whatever. He missed it by one vote, and the one the guy said you're not you're not supposed to be voted in on your first year of of Hall of Fame eligibility. That's total bullshit. If you want to talk about a person that should have been voted in on his first year of Hall of Fame, it's Ken Griffey Jr. Work greatest outfielder probably ever to play the game, or one of the greatest. He had six hundred something home runs. He had I forget how many Gold Gloves he has. And he's a stand-up human being. He, if he get, wouldn't have gotten hurt, Kenny and Charlie were talking, and I were talking about this uh, earlier this week. If he didn't get hurt, he's the one that is probably the all-time home run leader. Almost would guarantee that. But he got hurt his last few years in Cincinnati, and it absolutely killed him. Yeah, generational talent. How do you not put him in on the first year? Is it just to be just that? Oh, I'm the one guy who didn't vote for it, so I'll go down in history as that. Is it just just for clout? Is that really all it is? It's it's dumb. It's the, the wheel is spinning, but the hamster is dead. Level of dumb. <laughs> that is a good one. That is exactly the way it is. And it's for the clicks. It's so that your name can be put out. Because after, I forget how long it is after the vote comes out that they start releasing all the ballots. But it's so somebody can say, oh, well, you know, Charlie was the one that he left everybody off his ballot. And he left it completely blank. And, you know, so-and-so missed it by one vote. If Charlie would have voted, he probably would have got into the Hall of Fame. But... He's there so that that guy can get the get the the name recognition and can have the storylines behind him. Let's go ahead and move on here. Uh, we do have some uh, other news to time to talk about. Uh, Adam, you got uh, some Aaron Rodgers trade rumors? Of course, Aaron Rodgers trade rumors are the best. Um, where is he going? Where is he not going? I've heard that maybe he's going to become the Battle Hawks quarterback. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, the one that seems to be leading the uh, the charge as far as where Aaron Rodgers might end up next year if it's not in Green Bay is Aaron Rodgers to the AFC. Apparently, it's come out that the Green Bay Packers, if they're going to trade him, they're not trading him to the NFC. Kind of makes sense, even though they are probably not going to be anywhere near competitive enough in the NFC without Aaron Rodgers. So let them figure out whatever they want. Uh, the two biggest names that keep coming out, ESPN today, uh, was pretty much all day long. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets and, and what that can do and and what that means. Um, they did now hire Nathaniel Hackett, which as long as he has nothing to do with calling timeouts or really just managing a clock in general, he's going to be a great fit in New York. Um, and then the other option is down in Vegas. And to me, that one becomes really interesting uh, because of the market and because of the media that he's going to get, which is probably the most attention he would get outside of New York. Um, what do you guys think as far as where where is Aaron Rodgers should go? I mean, I think out of those two choices, I think the obvious one is is Vegas. I think there's a much better chance of running into some sort of ayahuasca den out in Vegas than there is in, in New York City. So, and Also, uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, Battle Hawks. I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers doesn't do mandates, and so call, call us the law. He won't go there. Uh, damn. Jets makes no sense for me. I don't ever I, – I have a really hard time seeing him in any other uniform. He's just one of those guys. I know it's kind of, you know, not the sexy pick and it's kind of lame, but I really think he's just going to stay in Green Bay. He, he probably should. The unfortunate thing is that he doesn't have much say. Um, the contract details on him are absolutely insane. I think that it actually is better for the Packers to trade him after July 1st because of the cap hit um, than it is to trade him before July 1st, which means that you're not going to get the draft picks from him. Um, so that doesn't even really matter in this case. If, if you're not getting draft picks for Aaron Rodgers, then you're not doing anything right because truly I don't think Jordan Love is the answer. Um, I think Vegas is probably the better option because they're probably going to have a little bit of a higher draft pick um, and without a no trade clause or anything like that, that he has no say where he's going to go. 
Um, to me, Vegas would be the better one for the Packers. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers in New York, though. The media attention that he would get, the amount of clips that we would have coming out of New York would be absolutely incredible. Um, him telling the New York media to just relax uh, would be fantastic. And then him trying to find as many drugs as he possibly can. He's going to find some crazy shit in New, in New York, that's for sure. Um, so I think that would be interesting. We'll see where it happens. Sean, you're probably going to be right. It ends up that he probably stays in Green Bay, so we'll figure that one out. Um, earlier this week in the golf world, we all talked about last week, Live Golf going on CW. Um, more news coming out between Live and, and PGA. Uh, this time between two members, uh, Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy, probably two of the three or four biggest names in this whole thing. Uh, apparently, we're going we're gonna to name it T-Gate, as what everybody's calling it, but uh, they're playing in a tournament in Dubai, I believe. Uh, it's a mix event with the the I guess it's the the Asian World. What is it? What is DP? Oh, it's the European Tour now. Um, they they call it the DP World Tour. It's sexy. Um, so this is a family show. There, it is. I'm trying to, uh, but they're all in a tournament. There's a whole bunch of live guys. There's a few PGA guys over there. Um, Patrick Reed comes over. I believe it was uh, Wednesday morning or whatever that time frame actually was. Patrick Reed comes over. He says hi. Apparently, he was saying Happy New Year to Rory and his caddy. Patrick Reed or it goes up to the caddy, shakes his hand. Rory completely ignores him, which pretty much everybody probably should. Patrick Reed took offense to that and threw a tee at him because let's be adults in the room and throw tees at people. Um, threw a tee at him, and apparently that spurred everything. Um, all these details coming out that apparently Patrick Reed called him being a baby, even though Patrick Reed was the one that had his lawyer subpoena uh, Rory McElroy on Christmas Eve, uh, which is great to get a subpoena when you're in the middle of celebrating with family. Um, is this good or bad for golf? What do you guys think on that? It's good. Bring the eyes in. Let's go. I mean, who, who doesn't love a, a good reality show style drama that we got going on here? How is it not good? It's fantastic. And by the way, throwing a tee that's a little strong it was a it was a like a light toss just in his general the, direction it was the softest toss ever it was more of a flick we're just gonna it shoot my tee over there and see what happens um and wow. the best part was it and i i can't remember the exact quote that patrick reed had um but he was like i threw that tee because it says live golf team aces or black aces whatever the hell his team is called uh, because that represents what we are. And I'm like, how much of a douche do you have to really be? Uh, to That is the point that you want to make. And I saw a funny picture this afternoon. Um, it was a picture that it was a great picture uh, of Rory and Patrick Reed both being interviewed basically at the exact same time, maybe 30 feet from each other. Patrick Reed has two or three people around him and they all have boom mics and they're, you know, holding them from a distance. And then Rory's got a, like a herd of like six or seven people just wrapped around him all within like close range talking to him because Rory McIlroy is way easier to talk to than Patrick Reed. Um, and then today I'm watching golf too. And, and Max Homa has a beautiful opportunity to absolutely bash Patrick Reed and him fingering a hole to see if the, uh, the ball was embedded and Max Homa put his hands up and he goes, I'm not sticking my finger in that, which is absolutely great. Um, and he was mic'd up, which was even better. Um, but it's it's nothing but good for golf. It gets the name out there. It gets the attention. And I think we're uh, hopefully someday soon going to see Live Golf versus PGA. And I think it's going to be great. And I also think, you know, this could lead to the second version of Brooks versus Bryson that, you know, we, we never got an all out brawl in that one like we wanted to. So maybe, maybe we get one here. Maybe we see a little fist fight on the course. Rory would murder Patrick Reed. <laughs> exactly. Why well, like, I want to It wouldn't even be close. Would that, that would be like qualify, first round knockout. Would that qualify as an international incident if that happened? I feel like it would. I don't know, but the douche, douches across the world would be calling it a hate crime, that's for sure. There's there's no such thing as bad press. We wouldn't really be talking about golf right now if it weren't for this anyway. And I I'm lo I love it. I'm here for it. If if they get paired together <laughs> in anything in the foreseeable future, I I'm not turning my TV off. I will watch that in its entirety. I think they are paired together for the round that I, I don't know what time it starts, but I think it, they're paired together for the next round. I, I oh, saw that they're both Jesus. the same score. I don't know if they end up getting paired together, but I am definitely going to be turning into the replay of it when it comes on later tomorrow. Oh yeah. And we're going to have 
all of the highlights on that, all of the shade oh, thrown I on every single hole we will I be talking about. I cannot wait. Yeah. Um, so then the last big thing uh, coming from the world of soccer, Sean, you're the put-me-in coach specialist, our soccer expertise. Why don't you dive into this one? All right, guys. There's this team called Wrexham that plays in Wales, right? And they play in the fifth tier. So they are what's called non-league. So they play below all the fourth tiers. They, they don't have a big crowd. They don't really like sell a lot of merch, a lot of tickets. Their, their games typically aren't televised. They're, they're pretty low on the totem pole. If you uh, watched the documentary, Ryan Reynolds and uh, McElhenney, whatever his name is from Always Sunny in Philly, uh, bought the team and have been going on this press tour with them over the last couple of years. Uh, a story broke today that ESPN is going to be airing their FA Cup matchup uh, next week that they are sending reporters to the game. They are going to have a pregame and a postgame from Wrexham. Um, this annoys the absolute you-know-what out of me uh, because ESPN owned the rights to MLS for the last two decades plus and didn't give them any love whatsoever and to see uh espn basically uh bend over backwards for this tiny little team in wales who has no affiliation with the u.s or anything here annoys the absolute crap out of me do you guys have any thoughts about it are you familiar with it at all why i want to know why it annoys you okay like what what is the main reason behind it i love that there there's additional eyes on the game uh because we need that but why could not why could Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhenney they couldn't invest in a team here? You have twenty nine MLS teams. You have uh, over forty, I believe, USL teams in USL one and USL championship. Uh, there's there's soccer in your backyard. If you were that passionate about growing the game, like they talk about on their podcast or excuse me on the podcast on their uh, uh, their Netflix show or whatever it's on over and over and over again then why would you not invest in a team stateside, put all of this money into a team that's 6,000 miles away for what? Like, how does that help the U.S. soccer fan is basically my point. Well, obviously, Ryan Reynolds just wanted to save up a little bit of money so that he could buy the Ottawa Senators. Ah, yes. Obviously. Now it all makes sense. And and I'll I'll be honest. I mean, I, I don't know anything about this whole situation other than what you guys just said. I mean, the only reason I've even heard of Wrexham is because of that show uh, that I, I don't even watch. I've just seen the commercials for and stuff uh, or that documentary or whatever the hell it is. So, so yeah, I mean, I can, I can understand your frustration, but at the same time with all of that publicity that they've been getting because of uh, McElhaney and, and uh, Ryan Reynolds buying, buying the club, that's why they're giving them the love now. I mean, they're, they're just, they're just riding the wave is all it is. So, but I, but I do understand your frustration right. with it. Right, and they, they are. And but to be fair, to be people fair. who live for to be fair, people who live four miles outside of Wrexham have never heard of Wrexham. So the fact that we're even talking about them is still ridiculous to me. But isn't that growing the game though? I mean, isn't that isn't that kind of what they're trying to do? Is to to be able to to call on those fourth and fifth tier teams? Yeah, but here's the thing. Are, are those who are watching that documentary or who are going to tune into this FA Cup game, are those the same fans who are now going to turn around and watch um, a USL team play in their market or an MLS team? Uh, broadcast numbers say no, that they're not. So, yes, it's growing the game, but it's not growing the game here. It's not accomplishing what they think it's accomplishing. It's lining pocketbooks. It's giving uh, Reynolds and McElhenney a really good uh, tax write-off because English teams that are that far down don't make money. It's a loss for them, so they just write it off on their taxes, which is why they bought them in the first place, which don't get me started on that. But it's I, I want to see investment in the game that I love here in this country, and I don't like to see the dollars that could go to it go elsewhere where it has no impact on the game here. So I get your point. I totally understand it. I kind of feel a little bit differently about it. I Not about them airing the game. That part mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you on. But I do like the the idea that they had. They bought that team for less than $3 million. That right. is why they bought that, is because they those two own that team with their own money. It's not Ryan Reynolds owning the Ottawa Senators and being the pretty face on the front of them, because by God, the man's gorgeous. Um, but 
he they own that team and they they truly want to do what is best for that team and what is what's growing it and you know i i am one of those people that i saw the preview for it i'm like man i'm gonna watch that show and see what it is and i found it really interesting with how then not only they talked about the team but they talked about the city as well and you know i would honestly at this point i would love to go over there and visit it just to see it all and see what it truly is but I'm one of those people that is going to watch the USL game if it was in my local market. I am going to cheer, cheer for City SC when they uh, finally break, or not break ground, but when they finally get into real games with the MLS, um, you know, and playing even with preseason games, seeing those games. Um, you know, so I'm a little bit different when it comes to that. I do like all the sports with that. I think it's an interesting venture for them. You know, everything that they keep saying is that they want to ride this out. I think it was... I think it was yesterday or today that I saw a message from from Ryan Reynolds or a, a quote from him that it was, you know, our goal is to get to the EPL. Are they ever going to get in the EPL? Probably not. Um, there's a chance. But if that is what he wants to do, if it's a multi-decade endeavor for them, that's when it gets really interesting, you know. And, you know, do they – how do they keep it rolling and how do they keep it going? They're trying to improve the stadium. They're trying to improve all the stuff that goes alongside that. So it's not just a money grab. I'm pretty sure they probably made uh, the 2.5 million back once they did the show, uh, which was probably part of that. Um, but I think it's an opportunity. It tells a lot more stories. It they did it a really good way. I thought the show was really good in general. I'll watch the next season of it for sure. Um, but but yeah, the way that ESPN is doing it is absolutely ridiculous. The only thing that I could think of is because it is an FA Cup. But did they do that for uh, what was it, Man City and Arsenal that played today? I bet you they didn't. They did I mean, not. That well, no, like Arsenal. That's a bigger game. I mean that that is the the bigger game on the schedule. You know that is the the massive marquee game for them is that matchup, and you're gonna you're gonna send everybody to that. I'm. I'm all for it if you think you're going to get the ratings and stuff, but they're doing it because you know that uh, McElhaney and Reynolds are going to be on the camera every 15 minutes, especially if Wrexham goes up. If Wrexham goes up, they may be on the camera every five minutes. Uh, it is a cool story, and, and a couple quick hits here before we, we wrap up. Uh, the USL is a league that plays below MLS, right? They're technically a like third-tier level in the United States, and all – soccer leagues use pro referees they're basically like certified referees the usl is not using pro referees because they can't afford it so right where the where these funds could have gone to usl to a league that needs it uh and secondly on the espn front uh in 2021 when espn aired the mls cup final there was no pregame and postgame and they cut away from the game to show a women's college basketball game Oh, yeah. ESPN has butchered everything that they've ever touched. I mean, when you put Booger McFarland in a freaking camera 15 feet in the air and you want to call it the Booger Cam, I mean, come on. Let's let's be honest here. Uh, they've messed everything up that they possibly can. I'm not saying that they're right by any means. But, you know, again, I would argue the cost of it. I mean, literally, if I had if I had two point five million dollars, I'm like, hey, I want to buy a team. I know I can't do an MLS team. You probably can't even do a USL team for that. You know, I would venture to say that uh, St. Louis FC, when they were here, you couldn't buy them for $2.5 million. I guarantee the entry was higher than that. Or you had to have something with a facility that probably was going to cost you more than that. I think um, you could have gotten in on the ownership group for that. But to your point, no, you wouldn't have been able to outright own the right. club. Yeah, and, There's an and, Italian team available for about 900000 if you guys are interested. After the soapbox that I just went on, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you say that now, but when we win the lottery, we're finding a team to buy. <laughs> all right, fellas. Uh, I think that's all the news that we have. Um, Adam, uh, where can our lovely listeners uh, find us on the socials? Yeah, you can follow us on the Benchwarmer Podcast Network. Um, on Twitter, it's BenchwarmerNet or at BenchwarmerNet. Uh, you can follow this show specifically at, at PodWritingPine. And our sister podcast, not because it's soccer, uh, at, at Put Me In Coach Pod. Sean runs that. They do a fantastic job. We try to do one a week on each of those. Uh, they both come out on Spotify. But follow us. Give us the likes. Um, send us messages. So if you want something for us to talk about, we'll talk about it. Um, and then you can bash Kenny and Cameron for not being here. Cool. Um, we we should fail to or we did fail to mention. Excuse me. That we did get our first ever uh, message. We did get feedback on our last episode. Oh. 
I don't know if you guys saw mailbag. this or not. Yeah, let Let's me go, go ahead mailbag. And, let me go ahead and uh, pull that up for you. Um, looks like uh, J Hut fifty eight uh, with hmm. some I wonder who that- uh, constructive. I wonder who that is with um, uh, some constructive criticism that just plainly says don't care for all the UFC talk. So uh, you're welcome, J Hut fifty eight. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> yeah we did. It sounds like a fantastic person. I'm not gonna lie. Probably a, a tremendous person. Um, he sounds very knowledgeable. I do agree. Uh, we did go long on UFC, so I apologize for that. Uh, but next time, we'll probably keep it like a three-minute round. No, they're five-minute rounds. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it that way. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Join us next week as we give a full breakdown of all things UFC for over an hour. Uh, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Bye.